Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Tuesday, September 11th. In today's news, with Hurricane Florence strengthening, one and a half million people are evacuating the eastern seaboard. A judge is mad at the feds for taking Maria Butina's texts out of context. And President Trump is looking to schedule another summit with Kim Jong-un. But first, the big idea. The constant creep of corporate America into all aspects of everyday life, from the Allstate Sugar Bowl to Minute Maid Park, may soon conquer a new frontier, the final frontier. NASA Administrator Jim Bridenstine has directed the space agency to look at boosting its brand by selling naming rights to rockets and spacecraft. NASA will also look into allowing its astronauts to appear in commercials and on cereal boxes, as if they're celebrity athletes. While officials stress that nothing has been decided, the idea could mark a giant cultural leap for the taxpayer-funded government agency. It could also run into ethics regulations that prevent government officials from using public office for private gain. Astronauts may be the most venerated employees in the federal government, but they're still civil servants bound by regulations. This is a big change. NASA has steadfastly stayed away from endorsing any particular product or company. They take this so far that the M&M's astronauts gobble in space are referred to as, quote, candy-coated chocolates because government lawyers have been paranoid about the appearance of favoring one brand of sweets over another. But during a meeting of a NASA advisory council made up of outside experts who provide guidance to the agency, Bridenstein announced that he's setting up a new committee to examine what he called the provocative questions of turning its rockets into corporate billboards, the way that advertisements decorate NASCAR race cars. The former Oklahoma Republican congressman who was appointed by President Trump wondered if it's possible for NASA to offset some of its costs by selling naming rights. Bridenstine suggested that the interest in doing so is the result of a directive from the White House. He said, quote, the question is, is it possible? The answer is, I don't know, but we want someone to give us advice on whether it is. This effort is part of a broader push to generate more private sector involvement in low Earth orbit. The White House has also said it would like to end direct funding for the International Space Station and turn over operations of the orbiting laboratory to a private entity. But Trump's idea to privatize the International Space Station has run into bipartisan opposition in Congress, where many lawmakers believe the United States shouldn't cede control of an asset in which we taxpayers have invested nearly $100 billion. Still, Companies have found a way to include space in their marketing campaigns, and brands like the powder drink Tang have benefited from their affiliation with the space program over the years. And Budweiser recently announced that it plans to be, quote, the first beer on Mars as part of a plan to study barley in the weightless environment of the International Space Station. Bigger picture, there's so much wild stuff going on in the world right now that would have been totally unimaginable just a few years ago, big and small. Slapping corporate logos on U.S. government rockets is by no means the most important, but it's a memorable metaphor that helps capture this new Gilded Age we're living through. It is a sign of our times. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. This one's important. Number one, more than one and a half million people have already evacuated coastal areas ahead of Hurricane Florence making landfall. 
The Hurricane Center is calling the storm extremely dangerous and predicts it could strengthen to near Category 5 intensity later today. State leaders are trying to learn lessons from last year's devastating hurricane season when Hurricanes Harvey, Irma, and Maria slammed Texas, Florida, and Puerto Rico. The governors of Maryland, Virginia, North Carolina, and South Carolina have all declared states of emergencies and are preparing at the very least for serious flooding. Here in D.C., the National Park Service says it's preparing for the potential need to deploy a levee through downtown. Computer model forecasts generally project the storm will make landfall between northern South Carolina and North Carolina's Outer Banks as a Category 4 on Thursday. Number two, a federal judge has denied Maria Butina's bail request, agreeing that the Russian national and suspected foreign agent poses a serious flight risk. The judge also imposed a gag order after slamming federal prosecutors for their mistaken claim in court filings that Butina traded sex for access to a special interest organization. The government admitted in a filing late Friday night, in hopes you might miss it, that the allegation was based on a misreading of three-year-old text messages. Even the judge said it took her less than five minutes of reviewing these texts to tell that they were jokes. She said she's disappointed that anyone in a U.S. attorney's office would conclude otherwise. During her time in the United States, Butina, who's now only 29, shopped access to Vladimir Putin and touted her connections to other high-ranking Kremlin officials. She was also involved romantically with GOP consultant Paul Erickson in 2014 while he tried to sell investors on an oil-rich real estate deal in North Dakota using a company that appears not to have existed on land he did not own. She's currently being detained in Alexandria, Virginia. Her next court hearing has been scheduled for mid-November. Number three. The White House said Monday that it's working to organize a second meeting between Trump and Kim Jong-un, seeking to revive talks over the fate of North Korea's nuclear program that have stalled since the Singapore summit in June. White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders told reporters that Kim recently requested the follow-up meeting in a letter to Trump, which she described as, quote, warm and very positive. She called it evidence of the success of Trump's policies. This is the latest sign that Trump, despite growing frustrations that Kim hasn't followed through on any of his promises or taken any meaningful steps to denuclearize, remains heavily invested in detente with Pyongyang. Remember, the president abruptly canceled a planned visit by Secretary of State Mike Pompeo to North Korea just three weeks ago, citing the lack of progress. But then last Thursday night at a rally in Montana, he said that Kim had, quote, said some terrific things about me and signaled that he's changing his mind again. However, the clear-eyed realists who work inside the White House think their boss is naive and continues to be taken for a ride. And foreign policy analysts warn that Kim's willingness to meet with Trump isn't a signal that North Korea will actually move forward with serious efforts to denuclearize. In the past, they've often played games like this to buy time. What Kim wants is for Trump to scale back sanctions, reduce support for South Korea, and sign a deal that formally ends the Korean War without requiring the North to make significant concessions. And that's The Daily 202 for Tuesday, September 11th. Thanks so much for listening. I'm James Hellman. I'll talk to you tomorrow.